After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. You'll realize, Masecha Hashem. 
Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in on a JM and the AM Monday as we head back to school and back to work. Zela Zeh, that is the um, Shlomi Kaufman tune entitled the Kol Yisrael. Itchani, that was Avremo Ivdu from Mordechai Shapiro, Simcha Liner, and Va'ala Kol. Aryeh Kunzler with Micha Mocha, Masecha Hashem, our Monday morning theme song with Mayor Sherman, and of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Just looking at the uh, electoral map, um, Nate Silver and his popular website has Hillary Clinton at a 67% chance to win. Not popular vote, meaning the odds, the chances of them winning the election based on all the different uh, paths to victory. And Donald Trump at 33%. He had a Donald Trump at 17% the other day. So that's interesting. It's also interesting to see which states, according to the experts, are now considered to be toss-up states, battleground states, including Pennsylvania, completely in play. Florida and Ohio, leaning Republican. If uh, tomorrow night, uh, once the polls start closing in the east, if some of these results are the way that they're being projected right now, it could be a very interesting night, I must say. <coughs> and I never thought tomorrow night would be an interesting night at all, frankly. Um And, of course, many of you are already aware of the fact that uh, the FBI director says that the emails are not going to warrant any action against Hillary, so uh, that is now a uh, that is now a, a foregone conclusion, or I should say that has been uh, that has been decided at this point. So tomorrow's election day, and you know what we've been saying? We've been saying everyone should just go and vote. Make sure to make your voice heard. Um, it's a privilege that uh, our grandparents and great grandparents, many of them, would have given anything for. Let's not take it for granted. Go to the polls, vote, and then on Wednesday morning, we can all breathe a collective sigh of relief. Monday on this November 7th, the 6th of Mar Cheshvan. Today is Bahab, the first of the three days of Bahab. I have a feeling we'll mention that during our conversation with Rabbi Heber coming up in hour number two this morning. Tomorrow, as I said, is election day for us. We've got a day on the road this week. We'll be visiting our friends at the JEC, RTMA, uh, coming up on um, on Thursday. On Thursday, we'll be in Elizabeth, New Jersey, between 6 and 9 a.m., so come and join us. Be part of the action. 40 degrees outside with 68% humidity. Winds are north at 7 miles an hour. Sunshine today with a high temperature of 55. Then tonight, clear skies, a low of 39. Tomorrow, sunshine and a high temperature of 66 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 70. We're at 40 here in Jersey City. I didn't think it was that cold this morning. It's 40 degrees outside. My gosh. 
as we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Plenty coming up between now and 9 a.m. Harav Daron Peretz is going to be joining us. We spoke with him Friday uh, about the RZA, Religious Zionists of America, and the World Mizrahi Movement in general. We'll have a chance to speak with him coming up live in the studio. And the Rabbi Heber, as I mentioned, is going to join us for some calendaric trivia. And uh, much, much more here on a Monday morning, as you would suspect, as we get the week started. Tomorrow is a Yeshiva League sports update. Yeah, it's election day, but we still will do our Yeshiva League sports update tomorrow, starting at about 7.20. And Elliot Weiselberg is set for a brand new season of the Yeshiva League sports update and a brand new season of Court Report coming up Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at com, of course, on the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so plenty happening, a lot going on, and I thank you for tuning in. Uh, thanks for keeping it here at JM in the AM. As we continue, this is from Yehuda Green.
Go to the 
אחינו כובעים סיסרבובים, הנסונים בעצור Oh, 
Excuse me, J.M. and the A.M. off of the uh, Dear Shoe album entitled Hey You Nechonin. That's Achenu here on a J.M. and the A.M. Monday, beginning the brand new week, encouraging everybody to vote tomorrow. It's important that everybody gets out there and uh, casts a ballot. Important for our community, certainly. And uh, I always like to say, important for our uh, predecessors, many of whom would give uh, anything for the right to vote. So take advantage of the opportunity. Tomorrow is election day. Shalshalas had Nigun Shalshalas. Bum Bum done by Benny Friedman. Odi Shama was Asbak Laria. Ashrena with Omek Hadavar and Yehuda Green's Nigun Nishama. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. In the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll be visiting JEC later this week on Thursday morning. We'll be over at JEC in Elizabeth, New Jersey. They continue this 75th anniversary celebration. Sunny today with a high of 55, clear tonight, low 50, uh, low 39. We're at 40 now in Jersey City. Today's the first day of Bahab. Rabbi David Heber is going to be joining us to talk about some calendaric trivia for the year 5777. He'll join us in hour number two this morning here at JM and the AM. That should be pretty cool. Mayor Weingarten with the Israel Show comes up at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. He's always uh, packed with amazing information, great insight, and wonderful music. You'll have an opportunity to hear the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten coming up at 9 o'clock this morning right after JM and the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. We say Boker Toe from James Mann. Galitzal, Ashashtayim, Kanran Yevnai, Imashikoreachshav. שתמשרה שנות מאסר נגזרו על המחבל בן השלוש עשרה שדקר את הנער נאור בן עזרה ופצע אותו קשה בשכונת פסגת זאב בירושלים לפני כשנה. מוקדם יותר גזר בית המשפט המחוזי בירושלים אחת עשרה שנות מאסר על מחבלת שביצעה פיגוע באמצעות בלון גז סמוך למעלה אדומים גם כן בתחילת גל הטרור. כתבנו אורי איגרה שמע בבית המשפט את התובע בתיק, העורך דין יובל קידר מפרקליטות מחוז ירושלים ואת עורכת הדין לאט סמל שמייצגת את שני המחבלים. הובסנו, אבל התבוסה שלנו היא תבוסה קטנה מאוד לעומת התבוסה של החברה הישראלית וגם של הנציגים. העובדה שיש 50 שנות כיבוש נעלמה לחלוטין מתודעתם של השופטים למרבה הצער. בית המשפט קיבל את עמדת הפרקליטות והטילה לשניהם מאסרים ממושכים. אין מנוס מהטלת עונשי מאסר ממושכים על כל מי שלוקח חלק בפיגועים נגד חפים מפשע. 
פחות מ-24 שעות לפתיחת הקלפיות בארצות הברית, הסקרים האחרונים של רשתות הטלוויזיה מעניקים יתרון קל להילרי קלינטון, כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. על פי הסקר שנערך על ידי בלומברג, המועמדת הדמוקרטית זוכה ל-44% תמיכה, בעוד יריבה הרפובליקנית טראמפ זוכה ל-41%. בעוד 24 שעות בדיוק ייפתחו הקלפיות במדינת פלורידה המתננדת, אשר תוצאות בה עשויות לקבוע מי יהיה הנשיא הבא של ארצות הברית. התביעה במשפטו של אלאור עזריה הגישה בצהריים את סיכומיה לבית הדין, ובהם נטען שהחייל היורה שיקר בעדותו והחליף מספר גרסאות ומסר עלילות שווא על המ"פ שלו, כתבנו טלב רמי עם הפרטים. התובע הצבאי, סגן אלוף במילואים, נדב וייסמן, טוען במסמך הסיכום, אלאור עזריה שיקר פעמים רבות גם לשאלות השופטים, אין קשר בין הסבריו לבין מניעיו האמיתיים לירי. עוד טוען וייסמן, עזריה שינה את גרסתו חמש פעמים, בדה עלילות שווא על המ"פ, בין השאר כי סתר לו. התביעה מבקשת להרשיע את עזריה בעבירת הריגה. השר יובל שטייניץ אמר שהוא סומך על הוועדה שהוקמה על ידי נתניהו וכחלון, שתביא לשידור ציבורי חזק ועצמאי. רינו צרור שוחח איתו. אני לא חושב שיש איום אמיתי על הדמוקרטיה ועל חופש הדיבור במדינת ישראל. רצוי שיהיה לנו שידור ציבורי חזק, ואני חושב שטוב שיש בחינה עכשיו מקצועית של כל ההיבטים, ומוטב להמתין לתוצאות הבחינה. משרד המשפטים יערוך שינוי מקיף בבחינת ההסמכה ללשכת עורכי הדין, לאחר ש-70% מהניגשים למבחן האחרון נכשלו, כתבתנו דור מימון. שרת המשפטים איילת שקד ונציגים מלשכת עורכי הדין הצליחו לגבש מתכונת חדשה לבחינה כדי לוודא שהמבחן שנחשב לקשה מאוד בשנה האחרונה ישקף את העבודה והידע האמיתי הנדרש לעורך דין בישראל. החל מנובמבר 2017 תשונה הבחינה, שרת המשפטים ציינה שהיא מהווה שינוי יסודי ופתרון אמיתי למצוקת המתמחים. נפתח שלב ההוכחות במשפט השוחד של השר לשעבר בנימין פואד בן אליעזר, זכרו לברכה, מבית המשפט המחוזי בתל אביב, כתבנו איתמר קציר. בשבועות הקרובים יעלו על הדוכן עדים מטעם התביעה, לאחר שבחרה לנהל את התיק נגד שאר הנאשמים, למרות מותו של בן אליעזר. התובעת בתיק, עורכת הדין שרון כהנא, אמרה בנאום הפתיחה, הסכומים שניתנו לנאשם הם מהגבוהים ביותר שנודעו בתיקי השוחד בישראל. הבוקר אושר הסדר הטיעון עם איש הקש כחודשיים נחתם הסדר טיעון גם עם ג'קי בן זקן. ומזג האוויר בהמשך השבוע, עלייה נוספת בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
with that pretty amazing Moda'ani done by Gavriel Tumbach before that eighth day with Jerusalem Stone. News from Israel before that, now a seven-hour difference again. Now that we're on standard time, a seven-hour difference between the eastern time zone and the, excuse me, and the state of Israel. Rabbi David Heber is with us live via telephone. How could we start 5777 without some input from Rabbi Heber about the calendaric trivia which is interesting for this current brand new year. Rabbi David Heber, in addition to being a Kashrus administrator at the Star K, is the rabbi of Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek in Baltimore, Maryland, and has been our calendaric trivia consultant for a very long time. Rabbi Heber, a Shana Tovah to you. Welcome back to JM in the AM. You too, you too. A good yard to you and all of your listeners. How was your Yontif? Yontif was wonderful. It was great. And um, um, one of the things I noticed, and I, I guess it's unusual in Cheshvah to start with this one, but I noticed something that I, I actually, I should, I should say it differently. A listener pointed out something to me <coughs> that I thought was very interesting about this year's calendar, and I bet you already noticed it. This is the best year the best setup one could possibly have for Tanis Esther and Purim. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they should change the clock. Correct. Tanis, <laughs> Tanis Esther is Thursday, so the, the fast will be an hour shorter because we changed the clock Saturday nights. So that gives you not only the Megillah right after Shabbos and a relatively shorter Shabbos, that's the second step, but then the third step is you have more time during the day on Sunday because of the clock change to actually get to the Suda and have a longer Purim day. So you right. put, so all those three factors because of that daylight savings time switch, I think it's March 13th if I'm not mistaken. 
maybe the 12th, 12th, March 12th. March 12th, okay, March but that's 12th. The, but it'll be an Adela Yoda for people who have to change the <laughs> clock in the middle of the night. They're going to get mixed up in the morning. Uh, so that's so. that's my contribution to this discussion, but I'm sure you have other things to tell us about the brand new year. Okay, well, let's start with, I mean, in a way, it's a, it's an interesting year in that there's no, there's no Yom Tavim on Shabbos. Not only on Shabbos, there's nothing on Arab Shabbos, and nothing on uh, Matzah Shabbos on on Sunday. Right. So it's the only year that you have that there's no um, there's no Vatoy Dienu and there's no Erev Tavshila. Now I I write I say that with an asterisk a little bit because on the very last day there is an Erev Tavshila. Right, right before Shana. right before next Rosh Hashanah. Right, right. But well, you're not going to eat it until next year. Right. So the, the, you don't <laughs> eat an Erev Tavshila. You don't you don't have a Tidyenu, and um, there's also no three Sifrei Torah. This right. year, of course, except for Simchus Torah right. that, that we had. And um, by the way, I should point out on that uh, on the uh, Rosh Hashanah point that that uh, Erev Tavshilin will be for the entire world, for everyone in Israel and, and in Chutzlaretz, right? That's correct. Right. Now, for people who work, this is the first time that we're having something since 1939. Um, and that is people who work, of course, let's say, you work, let's say you work for the federal government or you have a schedule like the federal government. Right. So all the Yom Tovim fall out on weekdays, every one of them, which means... The most days you have... With vacation. Right, the most days you have to take off. Most days. Now, in the previous year, any time you have Rosh Hashanah on a Monday and Pesach on a Tuesday, you actually have all 13 days of Yom Tov on a weekday. As we said, there's no Shabbos, there's right. no Sunday. Right. But you, it always came out. It doesn't happen that often this type of year. I mean, it happens. It's not rare, but it, it doesn't happen all that often. But every time it happened since 1939, there was always a legal holiday that that Yontif fell out on, a, on usually Columbus Day. Right. Um, but this year, you don't have that. So really, people, it's a big serious nefesh for people who are working. Uh, they they will have to take off, you know, 13 days, which right. uh, some, sometimes that's all they have on their vacation. Now, mm-hmm. of course, kids in school... You know, <laughs> they're thrilled. <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. As uh, as we remember from our uh, elementary school days, those Monday Tuesdays were uh, Tuesday Wednesday. Yom Tovim were uh, those were the best. <laughs> were really yeah. now now as adults we regret them and we pray for those Rosh Hashanahs that are Shabbos Sunday and that Columbus Day is Yom Kippur, which has happened by the way in the past. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. nobody had to take any days off during that season. Now here's an interesting one um, that that. Is is not as commonly known, but it's a very interesting Abu Dram. Abu Dram was a Rishon. Abu Dram lived, um, I would say, maybe around 800 years ago, and he makes a very interesting observation. The the Yoshev Seser, which is a capital Tilim, capital Tzadi Aleph 91, in Tehillim from from David Amelech, we say every week on Matzah Shabbos after Shabbos ends. Right. As is well known, when Yontif comes out during the upcoming week. We don't say Vihinayam. So people in Shul know that, right? right. When Yonta falls out of oh, the bo- Oh, believe me, people in Shul know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, between, anywhere between Sunday and, um, and Thursday, and Friday, I'm sorry, anywhere between Sunday and Friday, then we don't say Vihinayam. Uh, of course, if Yonta is the following Shabbos, then uh, our meaning is to say Vihinayam. Anyway, Rabbi John points out that the letter Zion. There is no letter Zion in, in Yashiv Seser. In the Vihinayam, Yashiv Seser, that we say there's no letter Zion. It doesn't appear anywhere. Right? It's missing a letter, which is interesting because it's a fairly long capital and it would 
pretty much cover every letter. No Zion, why not? Yeah. It says because you skip the Hinayam seven times a year. Oh, interesting. Right, you skip it seven times a year. <laughs> and if you count the number, number of Yom Taivim, you have seven, seven Yom Taivim that we have. You have uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then uh, two, two sets of Pesach, two sets of Sukkot, two sets of Pesach, and Shavuos add up to seven. Now, it just works out almost every year. It, it, for one reason or another, adds up to eight, or things are midweek. It, 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 it's more. Here, this is the only year that both in Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlar, it's the, the statement of Abu Jam is perfectly accurate in the sense that, that yes, there's seven Yom Taivim, and he means on average it's seven times, right. but this year there's actually seven Matzah Shabbosas that we actually skip. Um, we actually skip the Yunayim. Very cool. Which is the most, obviously. Well, I think it could come eight sometimes. Oh, really? Yom Taivim fall out, but it's set, seven meaning it's exactly, uh, um, you know, it's exactly that amount. Now, of course, this year is also... It's also the shortest possible year. Um, we're coming off of the longest possible year. Right. Last year was the longest, um, 385 days. And this year is the shortest possible, which is 353 days, which means that this is between Rosh Hashanah and the next will be, will be the shortest. Or now, the, now, in a non-leap year, how do we determine which is the shortest based on the Rosh Chodesh days, I assume? Correct, right. right. So a, a non-leap year is either 353, 354, or 355. Okay. And, of course, that's based on the number of days in Cheshvan. Um, Cheshvan has 300 and, um, 29 right. or 30, right. and Kislev is 29 or 30. Right. So if they're both 29, then it's 353. If they're both 30, it's 355. And if it's 29, 30, then it's 354. This year... It comes out that both are 29. Now, the question is, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Why are they both 29? So this, this is interesting. This really gets to the, the, the depth of the calendar and uh, understanding how they were kaveya, how they established the, the calendar, the, the, the chazal, right, are the rabbis of, of previous generations based on their Kabbalah, their, what they have studied, what they had learned from you know, predecessors all the way back to my Shabbenu on, on Harsinai, according to many opinions, that that's how it was transmitted, that, that calculation. So they, they, the issue is like this, that this past Rosh Hashanah, and it's actually an interesting point uh, from this, last Rosh Hashanah that we just celebrated was on a, was on a Monday. Right. It began on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row. And next Rosh Hashanah is Thursday. begins on a Thursday, and that's right. based on when the new moon occurs, right. uh, occurred and will occur. Now, how do you facilitate that? How do, you, how do you make sure that Rosh Hashanah is on a Monday and next Rosh Hashanah is on a Thursday? The only way that works is if Cheshvan and Kislev both have 29 days. Right. And that, that's how... Uh, and we end up with the shortest number of days possible. Rabbi David Heber is with us talking about calendaric trivia for 5777. You know, one of the... Uh, I wanted to ask you about this. One of the prominent calendars in the Jewish community uh, wrote... On the 29th of Tishrei, Yom Kippur Katan. Now, that's a mistake, correct? We don't say Yom correct. Kippur Katan. Right? So am I right that Yom Kippur Katan can only be done eight times during the year? Because of the uh, because you'd never say it at the end of Nisan, at the end of uh, Tishrei, at the end of Elul, 
And there's a fourth. I forget which one is the fourth. And of um, Kislev. Right, you said Kislev. Oh, I didn't drink Hanukkah. You wouldn't say drink Hanukkah, yeah. right. Am I right that there's only a potential of eight or, I guess, nine if there are two others? Right, correct. That's correct. In terms of Yom Kippur cuttings. So it's, it's funny that this custom, this minig, is becoming more and more popular around the world, and yet it's only a custom that's done you know, relatively few times, only, t- only two-thirds of the time you know, to begin with from the times that you'd think you'd be able to do it. Right, right. That's so uh, there was right. no Yom Kippur cut on this past uh, Erevers Chodesh, even though uh, some thought there might be. And today is Bahab. What is the latest that Bahab can be? In, in other words, uh, to, Bahab is a certain number of days today after the conclusion of Shemini Atzeres Simchas Torah. Uh, Correct. Right, and, and, and it depends also on when, uh, when Chodesh Mar Cheshvan begins. Are we now, is this the latest that Bahab could start on the, on the uh, Jewish calendar? Actually, the latest could be, the latest ends on the 17th of Cheshvan. Okay, the way it works, and this, this is always a, 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 a luach, you talk about mistakes in the luach, this is a common, I would say common, but it, it, I've seen this periodically when this happens. W- the way Bahab works, of course, Bahab are the fast days that uh, there are people who fast, there are people who say slichas, um, as a sort of as a, um, if anybody did it on, on Yontif, on Sukkot, on Pesach. If they overdid it, right. Overdid it, right. right. <laughs> Good, good way to explain Tysus's explanation of, of, of that. So the way to calculate it is, we were Mavarich Bahab this past Shabbos. Right. right? The Chazan got up and, right. and shuls, even shuls that don't say Bahab. They bless the those who are going to, to, right. to you know, bless those people who are going to fast and right. ask that the tzilis, the prayers be accepted. So we don't do that on Rosh Chodesh. That's the that's the catch. Which means if Rosh Hashanah is on a Thursday and a Friday, as it will be this coming year, right. um, then Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan is on Friday and Shabbos. Mm-hmm. And if Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan is on Friday and Shabbos, you have to wait till the next week to bless be it. Bahab on, right. Even though it's already Parshas Noyach by right. then, because because Bereish is the day after Simchas Taira, a week later Shabbos Rosh Chodesh is already Parshas Noyach. You can't be Mavarch Bahab yet because it's Rosh Chodesh. So they didn't want to. They didn't want to mix into the simcha of Rosh Chodesh, the, the the I guess the tsar and the, the you know the anguish of you know the bahab, which really is going on potentially you know wrongdoing. So they didn't want to mix the two, and therefore they said, okay, we can wait a week. You know, we're pushing up the whole bahab because we have to be we have to bless it, we have to mivarich it. So they push it off to the eighth of uh, the eighth day, which is Pasha's Lech Lecha, the eighth of Cheshvan. That's Shabbos, and then Monday is the tenth. And then, um, so next year at this time, we will, we'll not even start it yet. It will always begin until the 10th. Right. If you, think it, till 17th. if you think it's late this year, just wait till next year. You'll see how late it can be. Exactly. Uh, tell, I always enjoy hearing your, uh, uh, the information about the partios. Uh, there are some years when we have no double partios, and there are many years that there are, you know, many, many double partios. 5777 <clears throat> will give us what type of partia set up. Okay, so we get them all together except for Chukas and Bullock. Otherwise, it's everything double? Everything double. Wow! The whole, we the better, whole... i got to mentally prepare myself <laughs> for this. <laughs> but, uh, if you're a Balkaire, then, then uh, <laughs> you know, last this past year was a Balkaire's uh, dream, pretty much, except Matas Masse were together. But this coming year, we're going to have them all except for Chukas and Bullock. There are years that you actually even have Chukas and Bullock together, and, and everything. And... Um... And uh, I'm trying to think if uh, if th- if this is a year. Let's see, Pesach is on uh, Monday, right? 
Pesach. This is on, uh, is on Tuesday. Is on, Monday night. Right, Monday night. All right, Monday so night. so it wouldn't affect... We, we won't have that situation after Pesach where in Israel they're laning something differently than us and that we have an extra double parsha. That's right, yeah, we're, we're clear We're clear. The on following that. year, I think the following year that does happen. I think in 2018 on Pesach that does happen, where Achron Shal Pesach is on Shabbos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this comes... Right, 2018 and 2019. And 2019, We'll have, we'll right. have a Pshuta, a, a regular year. Right. And we'll have... Uh, so, well, so here's uh, the big question. I, 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 mean, I must have asked you this at least once in the last 20 years. What are the maximum number of double partios weeks that we can have? The maximum... We can have them all. Seven. There's seven total. So everybody out there who thinks there's 20 weeks of double partios is really only seven. Only seven. That's it. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like more. Only, only seven. Actually, I, I, was tired. I spoke about an interesting topic. I, I, I had seen an article... Um, uh, about this in, in the Hamadiyya Shavuot's time, and they actually got hold of the Svarim that, that it had quoted regarding wh- why Aliyah stopped where they stopped. Mm. So it was, why do we stop at Shani and Shlishi and Ravi? Right. And, and historically, I mean, it's just a fascinating topic because historically it was really up to the Gabai and the, and the Chazonim who, who stopped. There were certain rules the Gemara gives, like you can't stop at a place where, you know, it's sorrow, there's a problem. Right. Can't stop near the end of a paragraph of the called a psucha or a stuma. Right. It has to be at the paragraph. You can't stop within three psukim. Those were the rules. And other than Parsh Hazinu, where the Gemara gives us a, a guideline, and even that's a machlaikas, a dispute, how to understand that Gemara. But but where, where do people stop? Each chazan and shamis stopped where they wanted to, and and there was different a whole slew of minhagim. There are still a few customs. That differentiate, but pretty much, you open up most chumashim in the world, you will find pretty standard where to stop. But the, the whole standardization that we have is only about 400 years old. That was it was it was a teacher, a school teacher in the 1700s, who wrote. He's just had it. In other words, he's in shul and the gabai, the, the balkari stops, and then people yell out and say, "No, stop here!" <laughs> and there was argue, there was arguing and fighting in shul, and he wrote. This and again, there had been other customs, but somehow this Melambetinikus, this this school teacher's kuntras, his booklet, actually about over ninety percent of what we do is really matches exactly um, uh, what he has. It was called Siume. I forgot the exact name, but it was Siume Parshasatayre. So he he is the one who standardized the whole process. Pretty much, pretty much. It was his. It was accepted. And and am I right or wrong that there is a book, a safer that outlines how to add alias where one should, or you know, if you need to add alias for whatever reason, more than seven on a Shabbos. Could be. How to Could do be. that and where to stop? Uh, I believe I've seen that. I mean, some people are against the practice to begin with. A lot, of, a lot of shuls don't do it. Right. But of some course, do. if you come to shul, Nachum, they need to make a hisafa so you can get Akron if they forget to give you Levi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they discover I'm a Levi during Ravi. Yeah, you know, they, they've got to adjust accordingly. <laughs> we have a Kashmir guest over here, and they come Thank over to you. you right, they you want know, to give you Shlishi. You know what, just, Ra- you know what Rabbi Heber just saved me from Mincha, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, someone pointed out that I must share this with Rabbi Heber, even though it's not a 577 issue. A 577. Seven seven issue, and that is that tomorrow. You know what tomorrow is, Rabbi Heber? Election day. And you know what it is? You know how it applies to the to the to, to your line of work? It applies to your line of work because it's the latest election day could be. Correct. It's always the Tuesday after the first Monday, right? Or after the wait? The, no, no, it's Tuesday after the first Monday, which leads to a, a, an interesting question, and in that why the funny day? Why not just the first Tuesday? The first Tuesday. Uh-huh. Why why they do this? So. I thought about it. I always thought 
uh, it was perhaps for you know a reason. There's a, there's a religious holiday ah. on, on oh, November first. Right. Maybe they avoided that. Correct. But I found interesting. This is fascinating in the Congressional Globe, which is a record of discussions in Congress that they had in the 1800s. It discusses the this law that we vote on on you know the way we have it first Tuesday. After the first Monday, it did not come around until 1845. Huh. The Constitution only says that Congress shall pick a day. Doesn't it? Doesn't say the actual day that it has to be. Congress could have picked any day. Until 1845, different states had different days, and it was not standardized. And also, it took time. You know, it was right. it was not so easy to get to. Uh, it was it was it was difficult. Anyway, in 1845, Congress decided. They're going to standardize this law. Actually, the vote, I think, it was in 1844, and the final ratification was actually on Tu B'Shvat, 1845, <laughs> yeah. was, the, was the final ratification. Yeah. And in it, somebody came up with a following problem. If it would just be the first Tuesday of November, there was a law, which doesn't exist anymore, that you need a certain number of days between the popular vote and the electoral college vote. Right. And it's, it was either 30 or 34. It's, it's not clear. It's, I think it was 34 days that it was. And now what would happen is if you would vote on November 1st, you would end up, the Electoral College in those days voted too far into December. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been the first Wednesday or something like that um, uh, of December. And now it'll come up more than the 34 days allowed. And they right. would have to change that law right. of, of in other words, to make this law the first <laughs> Tuesday of November, right. they would have to change this law of the Electoral College differential between the popular and electoral votes, right. and they don't want to do that. So right. they figured, oh, let's not deal with that law. Let's just bump up Election Day one day, in other words, or, or rather one week. And it was this year, as we say in the Gemara, this year is an Afkamina right. of this law. Instead of being this, the first, it's the eighth. And therefore, that, that's why it's the first Tuesday after the first Monday. Now, that law with Electoral doesn't apply anymore. The Electoral right. College, I think, votes further into December. That law doesn't apply, but they kept on the books this day of of, uh, of election day. So if someone wants to talk to you about the election, uh, the water cooler for those listeners, you can say if that. You don't here. really want to talk about elections. <laughs> you got a way out here. Say, hey, you know what? Let's talk about something everybody can agree on. Why are we voting tomorrow? <laughs> there you go, Rabbi Heber. You're the best, Rabbi David Heber, our calendaric trivia expert. Even when it's not related to our tradition, how do you like that? He's the uh, Kashrus administrator to Star K. Rabbi Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek in Baltimore, Maryland. Rabbi Heber, a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year to you. Thank you for joining us. You too, thank you. One last thing. Very quickly, very quickly. Very quickly is that there's a solar eclipse this year. We'll talk about it maybe another time wow. in the summertime. Erev Rishchidosh El, solar eclipse throughout the entire United States. I'm going to keep that in mind. Thank you so much. Monday morning broadcast. It's JM and the AM. All right, David Goldwasser's words. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Malvim explains that the heart of kings and leaders is in the hand of Hashem. It refers to matters that are nogea concerning Klal Yisrael, not for personal matters. Hashem inclines the heart of the king for good or bad according to the merits or the schuyos of the nation. If that's so, so then why was Sha'ol HaMelech punished for the mice of Amalek? It would seem to be a matter that affected all of Klal Yisrael. If so, then why did Hashem direct His actions in this way? 
Shmuel Novi, Shmuel the prophet, related to Shaul that since he had been anointed king, he now had to completely wipe out Amalek, the leading force of evil in the world. Nothing was to remain of the entire nation and all its wealth. Amalek was conquered, and no one escaped alive except King Agag, upon whom Shoal took pity. He also allowed the Jews to take the best of the sheep and cattle, despite Hashem's commandment to the contrary. The Malbim explains that a king doesn't have Bechira, free choice, in matters that pertain to the Klal. It's in order to ensure that there's no interference in Hashem's intent for Klal Yisroel. However, just as a river can be redirected from its source at the wellspring to flow in any direction, so too there is the possibility that the king will redirect his rutsun at some point, compromising the outcome. Shaul's mistake was his mindset. He wanted to lead Klal Yisrael up on Hashem, according to the will of Hashem, but in a natural way, in the way that the world conducts wars. He allowed Agag to remain alive. The Chavetz Chaim once had a position in the parliament. It was when the elections were taking place in Europe. He was very supportive of the voting and encouraged the people to vote for one side and not the other. After the voting, the people came to him and they asked the Chovetz Chaim who had won. The Chovetz Chaim answered in Yiddish, It doesn't matter to me. The Ribbona Shalom won. It really doesn't matter who won. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M., 7.33 on this standard time now. That's right, a seven-hour difference again between us here and those in the state of Israel. Hey, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to uh, Ali, Alexandra, and, um, and uh, Jacob. Uh, they got married yesterday. Mazel Tov to the extended families from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. It was amazing celebrating with uh, Gloria Goldenberg and Joel Bernstein and the entire family. Uh, to Ali and uh, Jacob, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Really an amazing celebration up in the New Rochelle, New York. First day of Bahab. Don't forget this coming uh, Thursday we're at JEC as they continue to 75th anniversary celebration. We will be there at JEC. Uh, that happens on Thursday morning. Tomorrow is election day. We cannot encourage people enough to make sure to get to the polls and vote. Simple as that. Hey, New Jersey's great big challah bake is happening. You may recall last year, Galina Schenfeld joined us and told us all about this incredible project uh, organized by Wezo New Jersey and uh, wonderful volunteers. It's happening this coming Wednesday, starting at 6.30 p.m. at Factory 220, which is 220 Passaic Street in Passaic, New Jersey. It is, of course, uh, intertwined with the Shabbos project. There's a hashtag, great big challah bake. Uh, Galina Schenfeld, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, good morning. A pleasure to speak with you again. Welcome back. I know last year's event was a great success, right? It was tremendous. We got so many women that we basically overextended our ability to, to receive so many women. So right. this year we prepared. We have much better registration. We have amazing audiovisual. We have Rabbits and Kinnaird singing with us. We have... Um, 
uh, Nas, the dancer, we have people from all over Tri-State area coming from New Jersey and New York. And uh, our holiday giveaways is here. Everything in color purple. We have a bowls. We're giving out aprons, uh, holo covers, beautiful, beautiful things. Everything donated by M3, by Mark David Hospitality. Wow. An incredible organization giving us again all the ingredients were donated. Um, our wonderful supporters, Soda Skin, or new company, Cinch. These guys are incredible. They're giving us free water for baking for every single woman. And they are doing it again this year. They are incredible, Kalkavod. And all money that we will receive from uh, entry, when people will come, they will pay the ticket price, will go for shelter for battered women in Jerusalem. Yeah, this is the uh, Gina Fromer uh, Battered yes. Women's Shelter in Jerusalem. It's something you spoke to us about last year. It Absolutely. is an amazingly worthy cause, and all the proceeds go there. Eli Sheva Fima, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you for having us. What else do people need to know, Elisheva, about how incredible a great big challah bake can be? Well, if you've never baked in your life or if you bake every week, we have something for you. There's something <laughs> to gain. When there are over a thousand women in a room gathered together, you know, as one, as we had last year, we had 1,300 women. We expect around the same amount this year. Um, when everyone's standing together before HaKodesh Baruch Hu and we say, Amen to the Laha Frishala, it's, it's so magical. It's spectacular. Um, as Galena said, uh, we have uh, the Rabbinit uh, Cohen, Kinneret Cohen. Some people know her as Kinneret, and she has an amazing uh, voice. And she's a very popular speaker on TorahAnyTime.com. Uh, but we also have uh, uh, Rebetzin Rachi Penson from, uh, from Brooklyn, and she's written an incredible book called The Rising Life. And we're very fortunate to have her with us, uh, giving us practical tips and giving over the deeper mystical uh, significance of the ingredients of preparing halah. So it, we have an action-packed evening, and as Galena said, we, we learned from last year, and we're really streamlining the event, and uh, it's going to be paced really well. It's exciting, and uh, look, it's, it's not just flour and water. It's, it's God's holy work. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. amazing. All right, the great big challah bake. Everybody out there has an opportunity to register. Let me tell you exactly how to do so. There is a website um, israelamerican.org if you go there to israelamerican.org uh, under events you'll see the New Jersey Great Big Challah Bake 2016 organized by Weezo New Jersey uh, it happens this coming Wednesday starting at 6.30pm at Factory 220 which is on Passaic Street in Passaic, New Jersey the Shabbos Project and Weezo NJ are partnering to bring the Great Big Challah Bake to New Jersey and the funds raised Buy ticket sales for the bake. We'll continue to support Weezo New Jersey's beloved Gina Fromer Battered Women's Shelter in Jerusalem. Your support helps to ensure the safety of Israel's neediest women and their children. Right there on the website, Galena, people could register directly right there for the event, correct? Absolutely. If women are not uh, able to come because they have obligations, they uh, they can donate directly. That uh, money will go directly to the shelter. All right. So the Great Big Challah Bake is in Passaic. There's a hashtag Great Big Challah Bake, by the way, and also a hashtag Weezo and J. And it's all in con uh, in conjunction with the Shabbos project, which is happening in so many different areas and so many different places 
this coming Shabbat. Everybody out there has an opportunity to participate. So Wednesday, everybody, if you're a challah baker, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. in Passaic, register online, israelamerican.org. You'll see there under events the great big challah bake for this coming Wednesday night, organized by Weezo and Jay, and you'll be able to participate and really support an amazing cause. Uh, Galena, I don't, know yeah. how many, I don't know how many people you're expecting, but I would assume it's going to be an even larger crowd than last year. I hope so. <laughs> Can I add something? Can Please. I a person? Please. I would tell everybody that, that I will prescribe this holobake to every single woman who got abused by avalanche of negativity that now because of the election, no matter what side you're on, you are just showered with all this garbage. So I'm inviting all women to, for rejuvenation spa. I would put Jew in rejuvenation. <laughs> and I would invite you to have something to get. Uh, it will be an oasis of normalcy, happiness, sharing, pure love. That's what we're all about. Bring your mother, bring your sister, bring your daughters. And I'll just give you a healthy dose of pure, positive love and normalcy. That's, 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 that's right. what we all need. I think even men can come and join us because <laughs> in this difficult we, time, we, we also I need a po- perfect we, timing for us to we, celebrate life. We also need a positive experience. Elisheva, go ahead. This is, you know, Nakam, the most important thing for uh, your listeners to understand is that this is a night of unity, community, and love. No matter what affiliation, what level you think you are or are not, uh, if you're not affiliated, it doesn't matter. It's about Jews coming together. It's also uh, crystal knock. So we're going to pause briefly to remember our past, and I know that's something you talk about a lot. Um, so, Berzrat Hashem, we'll have a, a, a Teaneck resident, Mrs. Vera Barda, a Holocaust survivor. She will join us for a very, very special uh, moment uh, where we're going to acknowledge not only uh, the tragedies that have occurred in our history, but also how, where we've come, where we are. The Hitler no longer exists. Communism doesn't exist. Uh, we exist. We live because of HaKodesh Baruch Hu. You know, so it's, it's a very special night, and if you came last year and you think you've been there, done that, we have more for you, and every time, every moment together, gathered with Jewish women, who will bring the geula, I might add, <laughs> when you gather together with, this num- with these numbers, it's really going to be a magical evening, and we really urge everyone to, to go online and, uh, and check us out on Facebook at Wizzo, New Jersey. Uh, on Facebook. So we look forward to hearing from uh, and seeing everyone on Wednesday night. Ladies, I thank you for joining us. Good luck Wednesday night. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing success. It will be. Thank you so much, Nahum. More coming up on a Monday. You're listening to JM in the AM at uh, 18 minutes before 8 o'clock. And I remind you, tomorrow is Election Day. Make sure to get out there and vote. We will continue to remind everybody about the importance of voting tomorrow during Election Day. Did he not? I need
Jam in the AM, that's uh, David Lowy. Reminder, everybody, that the uh, big uh, Venice Journey, uh, the Jewish Unity Initiative Venice Journey, is coming up a couple of weeks from now. We will be there for Shabbos Parshas Vayera and broadcasting Monday and Tuesday after that from Venice to our Jam in the AM worldwide audience. Uh, make sure to be tuned in as the Jewish Unity Initiative uh, brings you a piece of Jewish history that is uh, vital, that is important, and that is really inspiring. And uh, in addition, on Saturday night, uh, we'll be providing a, a beautiful and wonderful gathering of Jewish music for the Jews of Venice and the surrounding areas. Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel will be in from Israel. They will be performing. And um, and we will have a, uh, a phenomenal opportunity to provide something incredible for the Jews of Venice. So make sure to be tuned in. It's going to be actually two weeks from today, 21st and 22nd of November all the way from Venice, right here at JM in the AM. More coming up, Baruch Levine and Simcha Liner together at JM in the AM.
power that we share As words of pleasure fill the air Can you imagine that we'd ever come this far? And the nachas that we'll see Might have never come to be If we didn't know how capable we To everyone's surprise, he comes to truly chop his hand, he prays with tear filled eyes. His son, he is the chazan, though his voice he's never heard, but he sits there enjoying every Every gesture that he makes And he stays till the very end However long it takes And when the davening is over He's the first to reach his son And the deaf man in the steeple says Well done Now it's right before Yom Kippur In the steeple there is fear they want to start for midday, but the cars are still not there. Oh, the shul is filled with people as the night begins to fall. But the deaf man's chair stands empty by the wall. Then suddenly the chazan, he comes rushing through the door. He's wearing his white cousin's hat he's never worn before. He pauses for a moment 
at his father's empty chair, and quietly he wipes away a tear. And he runs up to the beamer, for there's no time left to wait. And half the shoe can hear the rabbi ask, how come so late? Oh, just getting ready for Yom Kippur is all he'd say. But now I'm going up to pray. And when he finished davening, the rabbi asked to tell what was it he was thinking of that made him sing so well. Well, you knew my dad was deaf, he said. Last night he passed away. It's the first time that my father's heard me pray. And he takes his place around it by the holy ring And in a voice so beautiful, he begins to sing. Oh, every heart was broken, oh, and every soul burned bright. From his comet rain at Yom Kippur night. Oh, every heart was broken. Oh, and every soul burned bright. From his comet rain at Yom Kippur Sham in the AM, Monday morning broadcast. That's a Deaf Man in the Stiebel. Before that's Leif Tahar. Before that. Uh, Baruch Levine and Simcha Liner together with Vaharivna. Two minutes before 8 o'clock Monday on this Bahab Monday. Tomorrow's Election Day. Make sure to vote. Thursday we're at JEC as they continue their 75th anniversary celebration. Spoke about the Venice Jewish Unity Initiative, which is coming up. Uh, that'll be two weeks from today, the 21st and 22nd of November from uh, Venice. Um, on the next edition of the Israel Show, Mayor Weingarten, one hour from now, speaks about the 99 years after the Balfour Declaration. Now the PA is suing Great Britain for the illegal proclamation, and the State Department spokesman isn't even sure the U.S. has a policy on the matter. The Israel Show explores the historic declaration from a historic and halachic perspective. A look at the hottest topic on Israel's agenda, the scheduled expulsion of Jews from the town of Amona and the Shamron, and the not-to-be-missed weekly Israeli music mix is all happening right after JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in starting at 9 o'clock this morning Eastern Time right after us. Uh, at com on the NSN app, whatever method you use to tune in to the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so make sure to be tuned in. Mayor Weingarten will have that for you coming up right here at JM in the AM, or I should say right after JM in the AM. Um, what else I want to... I wanted to mention uh, those who are commenting on the app. Thank you very much. In fact, someone commented last night, I noticed, that... Um, Someone commented last night, I noticed, about the debate that was going on last Thursday 
our election forum, our political forum that was happening. And um, I want to thank those who have reacted to that uh, to that discussion. I think it has spurred some people to be involved, certainly to keep in mind how important it is to vote, that's for sure. And um, I guess tomorrow, or I should say Wednesday morning, everyone will be able to finally breathe a sigh of relief as uh, this entire election process will be over. And I guess everybody in some way, shape, or form is looking forward to that. Anyway, thanks to everybody who's commenting on our app. It's an amazing opportunity to comment as the show is going on, and it's much appreciated. And uh, also tomorrow morning, the uh, return officially, uh, I guess the unofficial return was last Tuesday, the official return of the uh, Yeshiva League Sports Update. Elliot Weiselberg will have all the information for us coming up. That'll be tomorrow, 7.20 in the morning right here. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app.
Jakob Schwecki. Jakob Schwecki who's part of a um, an amazing mission, an incredible journey happening to the holy city of Jerusalem that we're about to describe. I am proud to say that I am also part of the uh, proceedings this coming Yom Yerushalayim. Uh, before we go any further, it is with great pleasure and a wonderful honor that I introduce to this audience the director of World Mizrahi. He joined us this past Friday on uh, uh, the telephone. He is with us live in studio this morning to discuss one of the most significant dates in modern Jewish history. And that's Rabbi Daron Peretz, the director of World Mizrahi. Haraf Peretz, welcome to JM in the AM. Nachum, what an honor and privilege to be with you in the studio on this <laughs> wonderful show. I appreciate that very much. How many people out there, how many Jews around the world realize that on the uh, the week of the 22nd through the 25th of May, we have a unique opportunity to celebrate something that our ancestors, many of them, never dreamed they'd be able to celebrate and probably never thought any of their children or grandchildren would be able to celebrate. I'm referring, of course, to the 50th year anniversary of a reunited Jerusalem. It is a mega mission of a lifetime from the United States. It's a few days where everybody gets an opportunity to really concentrate on the holy city of Jerusalem. You are expecting people from all around the world to converge on the holy city. Uh, it is really one of those milestones that, uh, that, that will produce one of the most incredible things that we always uh, want to produce, and that's a feeling of tremendous Jewish unity, great pride, and just an incredible celebration in the holy city of Jerusalem. Those of you who are looking for details about how you could join on this incredible mission, it's Mizrahi.org slash YY50, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. You are now the director of World Mizrahi for how long? For the last uh, two years, uh, two and a quarter years before then. This may yeah. sound like a strange question. <laughs> Would you have taken the position if there wouldn't be a massive milestone anniversary coming up for the city of Jerusalem? <laughs> no, I think I would have taken the position anyway. Because I felt that uh, having been in South Africa, my accent is a South African accent. I don't know if all the <laughs> New Yorkers and New Jerseyans can recognize it. Yeah, some got it. <laughs> yeah, some confuse it with an English or an Australian right. accent. But I was born in South Africa, moved to Israel when I was 18 years old, studied in Yeshivot and university and did the Hesder program, the Army Yeshiva program. And got a call from friends of mine to return to South Africa, even though I'd made Aliyah. In fact, my family had made Aliyah. And they said, Doron, we really want to re-energize the religious Zionist movement. As what often happens in Chutzlaretz with religious Zionism, Mizrahi world so focused on Aliyah and pushing the centrality of Israel, which we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Often that leaves a gap. Uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the actual diaspora communities themselves. Right. And they said, Doron, we want you to come back and we want you to play a role, a young Tzioni rabbi in playing a role invigorating the movement. And we had, Nachum, for the, the 15 years, I went for what I thought would be for two years, which became 15 years. <laughs> and we had Siata Deshmaya, thank God, to play a role in reinvigorating the movement. And when World Mizrahi a number of years ago was looking for a, a younger director wanting to also reinvigorate themselves as well, I was very privileged that I was nominated and, and selected and returned with my family two years ago. And essentially, Nachum, that is the mission, to make religious Zionism the centrality of Israel and Yerushalayim and the role that it plays in Jewish history from a Jewish Torah point of view, uh, you know, to make it as central and, uh, in the conversation in diaspora community. And we should point out that, uh, for whatever reason, the South African community has had a, a wonderful relationship. I like to use the expression, there's always been an active corridor between South Africa and Israel. Absolutely. Uh, constant. 
uh, over the years, for many, many years. And uh, so that's number one. And it also seems like a lot of great Jewish leadership concepts are coming from South Africa. <laughs> During this week of the Shabbos project, it's a good time to point out yeah, that South true. Africa seems to have uh, a vision for the globe, not mm. just for its small little corner of the earth. Well, it's interesting that the chief rabbi is a contemporary of mine. We're the same age. We're in yeshiva together. Uh, it's, it's an amazing initiative, uh, Rabbi Goldstein, of the Shabbat project. I was privileged to play a role in the first one in South Africa where our community, the Mizrahi Yeshiva College community, had 3,000 people who participated and it was very, very special. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, I think South Africa sometimes gives you a chance as a small, very Zionistic, very traditional community to almost test out initiatives, which right. if they work well in the local context, gives one the confidence, the impetus to try and do it on a, an, on a broad basis. Now, now, you mentioned us Friday, you spent the, uh, the Shabbat, this past Shabbat in Teaneck. I know you were well received there. The RZA conference happened in the five towns on Sunday. Were you happy with the turnout there? Yes, it was a wonderful conference. We had, uh, you know, a few hundred people. It was in the, in the five towns. Uh, I think the RZA, our national movement here, which is the, you know, the national Mizrahi movement, is also in the process of re-energizing. It's done a wonderful job over the years, but is looking very much to be relevant to the younger people as well and to, to take significant strides forward. To that, uh, to that end, they've just uh, employed uh, Rabbi Gideon Schlush. They haven't had an executive director for a while and whole office infrastructure in Manhattan. Those and of us from lower Manhattan are very familiar <laughs> with him, and he's amazing. It's a wonderful, wonderful guy, and I look yeah. very, very forward to it together with him and uh, and essentially and it's all uh, we've also the RZA he has built a national board also of people coming on joining Marty Olliner uh, now is the co-president of Rabbi Lenny Matenki uh, a, a previous head of the RCA as we know cha right. chair of the RCA from Chicago along with Dr. Ernie Agatstein the head of our chapter in uh, in Los Angeles and to create a sense of a national movement now with an office and executive director to place religious Zionism, I would say, at the very forefront and driving force of the community sort of agenda within North America. That's really the aim. I think that, uh, and Rabbi Daron Peretz is here, director of World Mizrahi for the last couple of years. I think that in general, uh, if you look at the history of the Mizrahi movement in the 20th century and then going into the 21st, uh, it, it, there was always some, uh, there, there were questions, especially mm. once the state of Israel was established, what's the role of the Mizrahi movement? Mm. As the uh, as the leadership uh, got older and had difficulties in transmitting certain messages to the youth, um, the question was, what would be the future of the Mizrahi world movement? Uh, between you, uh, Rabbi Shlosu, you mentioned, and uh, I would assume others who are uh, uh, bringing in some young blood and some uh, real uh, reinvigoration, uh, there is a tremendous potential here. There's mm. tremendous potential to reach people around the world and to remind them just how important Israel and Jerusalem is to the Jewish community around yeah, the world. Absolutely, uh, Nachum. Uh, in fact, since I've been in the role, I've seen incredible siyata deshmaya in, in reinvigorating many of our branches around the world. I'll give you one or two examples. Sure. Recently, the chief rabbi of the British Commonwealth, Rabbi Fry Mervis, has accepted the role of being president of Mizrahi UK. He felt of the United Kingdom that it was such an organization making such a difference, especially in the last number of years with new people coming on, that he wanted to officially align with it. And as we speak now, he has been... Uh, hosted by Mizrahi Canada, also going through a reinvigoration process, always been a very Zionistic community in Canada, in Toronto and beyond. And he's just been it's finished today on a one-week trip, uh, the Chief Rabbi of the, United, of the British Commonwealth, right. as the guest of Mizrahi Canada. Mm. They took him countrywide. I got a call from the heads of Mizrahi on Friday to say to me, Rabbi Doron, you have no idea how successful this trip is. Communities from all over Canada 
turning to us as Mizrahi, want to offer services, strong uh, Jewish and Zionist identity, which these two things don't always go together and, right. and what they really want. And one example, he was in Ottawa in the capital. He spoke in the House of Commons and he got a standing ovation. He spoke in the Jewish community in Ottawa in the capital, a small community. 500 people turned out. They'd never seen such a crowd. I'm not sure if they're even 500 Jews. I'm not <laughs> sure. Not, certainly the Orthodox community. Two imams joined. The Bishop of uh, Ottawa joined and members of Parliament in, in, the, in the Jewish community centre. And it was unbelievable. And as I say, they're now looking also at, the, at, a, you know, at continuing this invigoration process. And it's happening indeed throughout the world. And I have to tell you, Nachum, there is such excitement about the opportunity of uh, around Yom Rishalayim, about Oh, boy. You know, oh, boy. We, we've been talking about this for the last five years. You know, we've been talk- we did the 40th anniversary celebration from Jerusalem. I don't know if you remember the 40th, but it was a very rainy Yom Rishalayim. And we did the broadcast there, and I think we started speaking about the 50th right after that show. Uh, we all want to be there. I can only imagine how many people in this audience want to be there. I can only imagine how many people you meet around the world mm. who want to be there, because it will be not just Americans. It will be people from all parts of the world yeah. who are going to be joining uh, that incredible celebration. It sounds like there's a, uh, a real burst of Zionism that is being uh, promulgated by you and your new staff. Uh, throughout the World Mizrahi Movement. Um, the dates are the 22nd through the 25th of May. I assume, like everything else, these dates are flexible in terms of what people individually want to do, in terms of being in Israel. We know that uh, Shavuot is the next week. Uh, like Baomer's before that, there's always opportunities to stay in Israel even longer. But the central part of this mission is going to be right around Yom Yerushalayim, of course, uh, the 24th of May. Uh, we plan on broadcasting from there on the 24th of May and celebrating 50 years. And there are a lot of different elements that you're going to be including during this mission. You want people to be open to, to a lot of different things, to entertainment, to inspiration, to, to words of Torah and other important words of Zionism from any leaders. You're really putting together an entire program, aren't you? Absolutely. I think first and foremost is to be there for the day in Aliyala Regal, I would right. call it. In fact, one of our global ambassadors for this program is uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Right. We'll have a, 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 a video which we'll send to you to air, air the, the, the audio side on Yeah, air. we'll share that with everybody. Yeah, he's come as one of our global ambassadors, coming especially to Yom Shalim as part of the World Mizrahi Mission, inviting Diaspora Jury as one of the leading voices in Diaspora Jury to come and join for this occasion. So really the aim is to bring thousands of people, but specifically Nachum for Yom Shalim. Many people have been to Jerusalem many, many times over. I'm alarmed, uh, amazed that some people haven't. But to bring everyone together, the chidush of an aliyah regal, which would happen three times a year, the chidush is the unique idea, is bring everyone together at the same time, barov amhadrat melech, a sense of unity, a sense of everybody together. And when is there, as you said in the introduction, a better time to do this than <laughs> Yom Yerushalayim itself, the very day, the third day of the six-day war, the 28th of ER, which, as you said, this year is on the 23rd, 24th of May, right. the very day that the Kotel, the Temple Mount, the Old City, came under Jewish sovereign control for the first time in almost 2,000 years since the year 70 CE. We had a state in 1948, as we all know. However, the state, as we know, only had part of Yerushalayim and not the historic parts of Yerushalayim. And the fact that only 19 years later, exactly 50 years ago, you know, it came in the most miraculous of circumstances, I think is one of the most significant days <coughs> excuse me, in all of Jewish history and certainly in the modern era. Uh, arguably the miracles we saw in 1948 and 1967 we had not seen since the time of Hanukkah and uh, to have experienced that and now 50 years on the Jubilee Yovel celebrations not to be able to bring thousands from Diaspora Jury together we're working with many organizations building partnerships and affiliates but to be the umbrella organization bringing them together from all over the world 
specifically during the three days from Monday evening, which is our opening. We're having a big opening at Binyanao Mati, the, uh, the international uh, um, conference center. Yaakov Shweki, as you right. mentioned, will be joining us along with other artists from within Israel, across the board in Israel, and uh, the President of Israel. And that will be the opening ceremony on that Monday evening. Uh, to go through some of the details of the program, sure. on the Tuesday we, uh, we have a, at Binyanaoma at the International Conference Center, a uh, conference on the future of Zionism and religious Zionism with the leading speakers from the diaspora in Israel across the board on issues of Jewish identity, um, Torah, of course, uh, the spiritual security um, political issues facing Yerushalayim, facing the Jewish people, particularly from a religious Zionist point of view. Mm. And that is a, a full day, multiple sessions, a, a mega conference. And then, of course, that evening, Tuesday, the 23rd, Wednesday, is Yerushalayim. I will experience Yerushalayim. Aliyah regal means regal. People got to bring their walking <laughs> shoes. There are going to be multiple trips because obviously with so many people, please God, you can't all do the same thing at the same time. But there will be multiple Syrian trips all around Yerushalayim, both at night and in the evening. We have a planned tefillah at the Kotel with all the Shivot Hezder, 74 Shivot Hezder. We will daven and thank Hashem together for the privilege of having, you know, you know, this moment in history. Plus one final thing, we yeah. have to go to Hebron. Oh, of course. Yom Hebron is the next Yom day. Yom Hebron is the next day, the day that Hebron returns. And of course, uh, and of course, Irha Avot, where it all began from many right. points of view. So we will be there as well, ending on Harazay Tim, on the uh, you know on Mount of Olives, Olives from a beautiful place overlooking Yerushalayim. And that's it. That's the idea. Those who've never mm. been to the, what you're describing mm. as the Tuesday night march through the old city to get to the Kotel, it is one of the most exhilarating feelings, and uh, it's it's just a it's a wonderful opportunity to. Uh, to uh, feel in your heart as if you yourself are mm -hmm. going to claim mm -hmm. that area of Jerusalem. That's mm -hmm. how it feels. Mm -hmm. And, and I can only imagine what it's going to be like on the 50th. You're also going to give people an opportunity to meet some of the paratroopers who actually fought in the War of 67. The conference you mentioned, all of this uh, begins with a spectacular opening ceremony, as you described, and will end with a great closing ceremony as well, as uh, Mizrahi is playing a very, very big role in leading the uh, 50th anniversary Celebration. It's Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. We're going to be part of this incredible mission of a lifetime, and everybody out there can book and get details about uh, the journey by going to that website and becoming part of it. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. You know, you mentioned, Rabbi Peretz, the, um, uh, the outreach that's going on, the, uh, the representatives that are going to shuls, to the House of Commons, and to many <laughs> other places to spread the word. <laughs> Both within and in other areas, not within the Jewish community and other areas as well. What about the youth? What about the uh, I don't know the typical American yeshiva kid who's ten, fifteen years old? Are we are we going to address that issue of not just reaching their parents and grandparents with these messages, but trying to reach the Jewish youth who do not know what it was like in the early years after Yerushalayim was liberated and who now maybe rightfully so, take it for granted that one can travel as much as they want, as often as they want, to both uh, the state of Israel and to the city of Jerusalem. Mm. Now, I think what you said is an absolutely critical point. Many of us, it's nostalgic for us. We hear Israel, Yerushalayim, right. you know, we remember those nostalgic times. Today, Israel and Yerushalayim, for many of the youth, come with all types of challenges and uh, 
you know, uh, you know, occupation and, and all of these different things which yeah. are, you know, really challenging. And that's why I specifically think we have to develop a message for these young people. Uh, we know that within the broader modern Orthodox religious Zionist world, there are around 3,000 kids who come every year on gap year programs, right. not to mention the many high school programs from around the world. And the aim is to involve all the gap year students as well because the, the critical time when you've got 3,000 kids from across, the, say, the broader modern Orthodox religious Zionist world in Israel during this time, that is the opportunity to really cement the connection on so many levels to Israel and Yerushalayim. And we plan to do that also as part of these celebrations as well, specific tracks for them. And indeed, I want to say that uh, a college campus focus is a major uh, focus of Mizrahi. I want to say that our local, the, the national organization here, the RZA, is in the process of facilitating the return of at least 50 young men and women who have been in Israel on their yeshiva experience and have gone to colleges now in the winter break to facilitate their returning to the yeshivot and midrashot and we will be organizing leadership programs for them because a big thing which often wanes the connection often to Torah and sometimes to Israel as well as one goes to the college experience and especially often around the country the need to re to connect to Israel and to Torah is absolutely critical and hence some internship programs and specifically winter programs are something that we are investing in and we we, we think that around Yom Rushalayim this year there's also a golden mm. opportunity to bring together the Yeshivot Midrashot don't often the thousands of kids don't often always get together in the same place at the same time feeling the power of the sum total you know the whole being bigger than the sum total of the individual parts and that as well will be taking place uh, it's really a unique opportunity and the truth is that if uh, parents are uh, are are considering joining us and being part of this unique experience they should uh, consider taking their children with them absolutely and making them part of this celebration and just uh, introducing them many of them to Jerusalem and to the entire concept of uh, the 50th anniversary so everybody has an opportunity to be this year in Jerusalem with the Mizrahi World Movement, Yom Yerushalayim is Wednesday, the 24th of May. Starting that Monday, the mega mission of a lifetime takes place, celebrating 50 years. And really um, uh, conveying to Jews around the world the importance of Jerusalem, and really conveying to the entire world mm. the importance of Jerusalem. Mm. We know what UNESCO is all about now. I don't mm. think too many people in our community knew, knew what UNESCO was a month ago. <laughs> now we yeah. know what it is. We know how important yeah. it is to make a statement not only to our own, but to make a statement to the world in general. And here's an opportunity to do so. I'd like to comment on the UNESCO. It's very interesting. Sure. Just one, one comment regarding the youth. One of our branches in the United Kingdom have decided to do a Jerusalem quiz amongst all the high school kids. Nice. And the winners of that quiz will travel uh, to Jerusalem for this. So that's also something we're considering in communities around the world. But Very certainly nice. throughout the United Kingdom, in the tens of different schools, they will learn about Jerusalem, and then the winners will come here, which is something to consider sure. doing here as well. But. A very important uh, comment about UNESCO. I mean, I think you know, we all know how ridiculous such a, you know, in the face of so much archaeological and scientific proof to say that the Jewish people do not have a historic connection to Jerusalem is literally the same as Abba Evan said, as saying the world is flat. Right. As Abba Evan said, you can probably get a majority in the United Nations to say that the world is flat and the Jewish people flattened it. <laughs> but, but, but having said that, having said that, I think there's a critical point to note. Dr. Dory Gold makes this point in his book, The Battle for Jerusalem. He says, until the year 2000, 
Never was it discussed that Jerusalem would be something that the Jewish people could negotiate on. Lots of other things could be negotiated on, but Jerusalem was never ever discussed. Only in the Camp David Accords, says Dr. Dory Gold, when Jerusalem was put on the negotiating table for the first time, did the Palestinians hear, wow, the Jewish people are actually prepared to negotiate on their holiest of holies? And immediately afterwards, for the first time, because it was, it was ridiculous for any Palestinian leader to say that the Jewish people had to have, don't have any uh, uh, historical connection. So Arafat says, for the first time in 2001, the Jewish people do not have... Uh, the, the, temple of, the Temple of Solomon did not sit in Jerusalem. It sat in Nablus. So already distancing from Nablus. A year later, he said... Having reconsidered, the Jewish temple didn't even sit in Nablus. It sat nowhere in the land of Israel. There's no connection to the land of Israel. And I think what's critical about this, Nahum, and only then really this began, this beginning of, Mm -hmm. you know, that the Jewish people have no connection to Jerusalem. And I think once we are weak about our connection to Jerusalem, once for us the connection is not an absolute connection, not that we prepared, obviously, of course, to offer full civil and religious rights to all of the people in Jerusalem, has in the history of Jerusalem, have the, uh, the, the freedom of worship ever been so, you know, to, to Christians and Muslims and Jews around Jerusalem, has, it ever been, uh, has there ever been a better custodian for Jerusalem in the thousands of years than the state of Israel over the last 50 years? But I think when we questioned our connection, can Jerusalem and the old city and the Kotel and, uh, you know, the Jewish quarter, are these uh, part of a, a political negotiating process? I think when we were not clear, I think in this gap, Others stepped in and said, well, if you're not clear, Mm -hmm. then maybe, Tucker, there's room not to be clear. And I think this 50 years is to come along and say that the privilege of Yerushalayim is not something to be taken for granted. We have to come en masse from all over the world and celebrate together in unison and in unity the unification of the city, which... You know, you have to pinch yourself that we live in such an era. It is unbelievable. Uh, the, uh, to paraphrase Ben Gurion, I'll say it this way because we're on the air. I'm not worried about what the world says. <laughs> I'm worried about what the Jews do. And what you just said, certainly, mm. uh, that's a perfect application. The mega mission of a lifetime, 50 years of a reunited Jerusalem, happens the week of May 22nd. Everyone is invited to be part of it. The Mizrahi World Movement is at the helm of an amazing celebration with uh, a, a beautiful program starting that Monday and going through the entire week through Yom Chevron. Uh, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. We will be part of that mission. We'll be broadcasting from Jerusalem, and we invite you to participate. Bring your family, bring your friends, bring your schools. Uh, Rabbi Daron Peretz recommended uh, using the, the mission as an incentive uh, and as a prize possibly for contests you may run surrounding Jerusalem in your shul or in your school. Uh, it's really an amazing opportunity. You would welcome any school or shul that wants to put together a group to go with you. Absolutely. And participate in that way and make it their own mission as part of this mission of a lifetime. Just go to the web and get all the details, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Again, that's Mizrahi.org slash YY50. This must be a real burst of, um, and we keep using the word rejuvenation, mm-hmm. uh, but a real rebirth of the movement, uh, uh, this 50th anniversary celebration. Yeah, you know, v- very much so. I'd say that, uh, you know, I'd say that, uh, you know, when one follows in ways, you know, often when you, 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 you lose your way, it says, you know, recalculating. Right. And I think for us, Mizrahi was very focused for many years on Aliyah and moving to Israel. I think what we didn't do enough of, and this is what we, how we sort of re-strategizing now, is how can we, from a point of view of Kimitzion Teitzay Torah, sit together in Israel and think, how can we 
offer value? How can we deepen the connection of our communities around the world to Israel? And what better than your Ma'atzmot and your Mushalayim? I would actually say maybe one of the hallmarks of a successful religious Zionist community around the world where, you know, Torah and Zionism are flourishing is how is, how is your Mushalayim celebrated? And right. I must say, I think, Nachum, I've, I've seen around, you know, uh, different communities that it needs a lot of chizuk. Right. You know, Yom we Shalayim, try, we try. And I think it needs a lot of chizuk. And I think if we can take these days, both Yom Ha'atzmut and Yom Rishalayim, and say these are two of the most significant days from a historical and religious point of view in the modern era and throughout Jewish history, and make them the religious, spiritual days of celebration and appreciation that they should be all over the world, then we'll really be adding something you know, to the, either the tapestry of, of, uh, of the Jewish experience and Zionist experience in the diaspora. So we've picked these two days of heartening their celebration and significance all over the world. And I think the best way to reinvigorate that is to bring the leadership, the rabbinic community leadership and delegates from all over the world to Yerushalayim, for Yerushalayim, and think together of a vision for world Jewry driven out of Yerushalayim through the dual tenets of Jewish and Torah, Jewish and Zionist identity. And uh, that's really the aim. And I just want to say one final thing, Nachum. You touched on communities bringing delegations. There are a number of communities around the world, Rabonim, who have already approached us to say they want to bring a mission from their shul. We can also assist in putting that mission together, meaning we focus any on... Size. Any size. It could be 10 people, it could be 100 people. Absolutely. Meaning people shouldn't think it's got to be 1,000 people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the three days, the three days, everybody comes together, but we are assisting through our different tour operators that people People can bring a mission before and after, join for the three days, but we'll also facilitate the organizing of, uh, you know, of tours uh, before and after. The idea is, the essence of Yerushalayim is that it brings people together. And I think the time has come for us as a religious Zionist modern Orthodox movement and beyond, mm-hmm. and beyond to bring the dual tenets of Torah, Jewish, Zionist identity all together in Yerushalayim for this incredibly historic time. And let me just add on a practical level for those uh, in the United States, because legal holidays that we, that we refer to are those that are observed in the United States, that uh, the Yom Yerushalayim is Wednesday. The following Monday is Memorial Day, a day that you'd likely be off from work as well, or many people would, I should say. And then Tuesday is Erev Shavuot. Wednesday is Shavuot. So you may want to consider, certainly, if you're going to add to the, uh, to the days of the conference and the mission, uh, you may want to consider actually doing it on that end and staying a little bit longer uh, through Shavuot in Israel. It is an amazing experience. Talk about being Shavuot in Yerushalayim. It's an amazing experience mm-hmm. as well. Okay, Harav Daron Peretz. First of all, Mazal Tov. A couple of years too late, but Mazal <laughs> never too late, right? Mazal Tov on your position uh, as Director of World Mizrahi. We look forward to being there and uh, speaking to you at, uh, at one of the most incredible highlights of my personal career, which is to be uh, there for the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. And everybody out there, you could join this mega mission. You could bring five people, ten people, a hundred people. You could bring your own family. You could bring people from your synagogue, people from your men's club. You can uh, bring families from your shul or school, whatever you want to do. It is a unique opportunity. It's only going to be once in a lifetime that you could celebrate 50 years of the reunification of Jerusalem. So think about it and consider it strongly. Uh, the 24th of May is the actual day. It starts earlier that week on Monday. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Get it? Yom Yerushalayim. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Rabbi Daron Peretz is Director of World Mizrahi. Tadaraba. Yes, you want to add one more thing? I want to say one thing in conclusion. Firstly, we are absolutely thrilled to have you, Thank Nachum, you. and the, the Nachum Siegel team and Miriam, the team coming with us. Tadarabha. We're absolutely thrilled. It adds so much to it. 
and we thank you for being part of it. Sure. And to say when one goes online to our website to book one, we'll see the eight different hotels where many rooms have been secured. So one can come to all different hotels depending on one's preferences, depending on one's financial ability, etc. And that's all part of the program. It's all on the website. All the tr- we'll all be joining together for the actual activity. If people right. have apart- apartments in Israel or have other ways of staying, they can also just pay for the actual three days itself, just the activity, without the hotel and the breakfast. But there are many options available. But the idea is bring everyone together and let's come together like we've never come before. The flexibility is there. The important part is just being in Jerusalem that Absolutely. day and through that week. Uh, Harav Peretz Adaraba, thank you so much. Thank you, Nachum, for the pleasure and the privilege. More coming up. Here's Yaakov Shweki. We mentioned he's part of it. Here he is at JM in the AM. Ilonu 
Shame in the AM. Ellie Schwabel with We Are One. 13 minutes before the hour, Monday on this Bahab Day. Election is tomorrow. Election Day. Make sure to go out and vote. Make sure to go out there and vote. Thursday, we're live from JEC. We are live from JEC on Thursday, part of their big 75th anniversary celebration. As that continues, that happens on Thursday. Um... I remind everybody out there that the big transition is coming up. I spoke to some people on Friday. It's funny. Some people need, you know, like half a minute to be uh, to be calmed down about the transition and be, be told how easy it is to do it, and then they're really happy about it, frankly. Uh, other people are like, of course. Of course I've transitioned already. I've already transitioned. <laughs> I have nothing to transition now because I've already done it. I am ready. I'm ready with my NSN app. I'm ready with the listen line. I'm ready with Bluetooth in my car. I'm ready with an auxiliary cable in my car. I'm ready with my own computer. I'm ready to listen to archives all day. I'm ready to call in when there's a specific segment I want to hear. I'm listening via telephone. I've gotten every kind of answer possible. Are you ready for our transition to all digital? If not, please adjust accordingly. We are not heading back to the past. We are heading straight for the future. We want you with us. We really want you with us. Uh, so if you have any questions, any questions whatsoever regarding, um, regarding the transition, how you can uh, adjust your own life so that you can hear us every single morning and stay with us all day long. If you have any questions whatsoever, Yoni, Y-O-N-I at NahumSiegel.com. Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at NahumSiegel.com. Simple as that. And the Yoni will walk you through whatever it is you need to be walked through, and uh, you'll be all set. And that's it. That's basically all you need to know. More coming up. Simcha Liner at JM in the AM.
Wrapping up a, a Monday for us here in uh, JM and the AM world. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and of course on the NSN app. There we go. Tomorrow's election day. Make sure to vote. Tomorrow's election day. Make sure to vote. Mayor Weingarten. He'll speak about Balfour Day. 
He'll speak about the PA's attempt to sue Great Britain over the Balfour Declaration. He'll speak about uh, modern Jewish history, and he'll speak about some of the great uh, musical selections out there. The Israel Show is next with Mayor Weingarten here at the Nahum Siegel Network. If you're not on the app, then get to your computer at NahumSiegel.com or get to the listen line or any of the variety of ways of listening right now. You won't want to miss Mayor Weingarten's Israel Show coming up next. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Election Day, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.